Welcome to Expert Opinion, brought to you by Branding Business. Uh, today, we're going to have a great conversation about design and the business value of design in, uh, in, in, in our world today. Um, and just to set the conversation, uh, you know, if there is one thing that I know after 20, more than 20 years of building brands is this. You may have a, a carefully crafted strategy that builds distinction, builds value, a great compelling narrative, but unless that strategy is expressed visually in a memorable manner, it is rather <clears throat> unlikely that customers will take note, particularly in today's noise environment, or a product experience lacks engagement, it's not useful, it's not memorable, it's not well designed, very uh, unlikely that product will be successful in the market today, considering the abundance of options. So in uh, today's uh, expert opinion, we're going to focus on uh, the business value of design. And we're going to focus on fundamental questions. Questions like, what is design today? You know, how do people see it? What makes great design? What inspires great design? And also, what stands in the way of great design? Uh, to me, uh, with me today, there are two great designers uh, that I have uh, a pleasure of knowing, but also working with, David Kohler and Michael Dula. These are two creative officers with decades-long experiences in shaping brands, thinking, products, and much more through design. So I'm very pleased to have you both, David and Michael. Hey, Andrea, thank you. Uh, great to be here, Andrea. All right. So, uh, Michael and David, uh, I'm just going to ask the first question and I'll let you decide who wants to go first. But, um, you know, in this day and age, particularly given the work that we do, design is often associated with things like uh, corporate logos, uh, you know, typefaces, uh, photography, illustrations, graphic devices, uh, more recently UX or UI, user experience design, user interface design and so on, you know, environmental graphics. A variety of elements that uh, normally are uh, uh, used to express uh, visually what a brand is all about. But is that it? You know, is that what design is all about? Is is this a, 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 a maybe a limiting definition of design? Is there more? David, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, the big, you know, when you when you across that list of they're basically a list of deliverables. I mean, they're all. You know, each one of those, in a way, is something you apply design to create. So they're they're you know the end result of great design. But when I think of design, it's more about all of these things working together. You know, design at the highest level. You, let me back up. Designers can really one of the great things that designers are trained for, and it's an unusual thing. They they are really good at making connections. In fact, that's what design. If you're trained properly, that's what design's all about. And being able to understand these things and being able to connect them by in a way that most people can't because what designers do is that we have an unusual way of thinking we step outside of ourselves and we think about the very process that we're utilizing and when we do that we can also look at the problem the context and and people's needs and we can take these things and start to see unique ways to to pull them all together in something that represents that organization in a way that they could only be represented and at the highest level that's what designers can clearly do yeah, that, that's true, and I've seen you doing that many times. Uh, Michael, um, what, what's your take on my question? Well, Andrea, I think it's a great question. I think, you know, uh, 
David hit the nail right on the head. I think what's important is to delve into what brand design is um, and the mechanics behind it. You, the elements you described are, are the basic elements, you know, of brands and modes where people experience them. them. But, um, it, you know, I look at it like this, and, and David said it well, there's a lot of components. Um, to me, it's a lot like music. It's like um, you have notes and chords and timing and instruments. Um, and that's really all fine and dandy, but it, I think it's what you do with it, uh, what you make of it, uh, what makes that music, music magical. And that's really what the brand designer does. We've, we've got to make something that's very evocative, emotional, and memorable. You're creating um, instantaneous and I think long-term experiences for those who you want to connect to. Um, and it's the same for brand design. A great designer is like a, you know, a great conductor. Uh, their job is to really take complex arrangements and bring it together and deliver it with gusto. And I think that's, you know, that's the fundamentally that's that's the important part of brand design. Um, I, I think brand design, when we when we think about brand design, we think about, I think, the words by design. Uh, that is a brand that's, you know, and it's entirely planned by design at every level and functions by design. It continues to adapt by design, and uh, and that involves many, many, many different components uh, that come together to create this very unique ecosystem for a brand, um, so that it can be intricately planned and it stands the test of time. Um, it combines many, many things: design and narrative and physical interaction, all those things. But you're really you're designing a brand for real-time experience and, and long, long-time experience, uh, those two components. Uh, yeah. And it's about experiencing a brand instantly and over time and in its own time and space. Yeah, which is uh, quite of an interesting challenge this day and age, given the plethora of um, <clears throat> channels and touch points that, uh, uh, that can be leveraged. But, um, uh, you know, so the question is, uh, sometimes that we have to deal with, and I say this as a strategist, what is great design? You know, is that a subjective, um, uh, you know, assessment? Well, when you're presenting to a client and you say, this is great design, and clearly it's not sometimes, um, and that's, I'm not talking about us, because <laughs> I'm always very proud of the work that we present, but is great design subjective um or do you think that there are elements that are objective um and and if so what are they you know how how can we think of uh, of those what what's the what's the contrast between objectivity and subjectivity particularly that thinking you present design to a client and um and that has one reaction but then that design has to be has to work in the world out there and you know there are real people customers whether it's a b2b company whether it's a consumer company so what makes great design is there is an element of objectivity that you know you can say that a design is objectively great or you know what what's what's the what's the line there uh, separation um, well, for me, Andrea, I mean, it's funny. I know, I, you know, the funny thing is, is we answer each, each of these questions. Michael and I are so aligned on all these subjects that um, I know he's going to pick up on what I'm saying, and I, as I will with him. But on one hand, yes, there's good and bad design. It's not subjective. 
you know, there is bad design is bad design, and then there's good design, and it's black and white, it's pass or fail. And that's just the way it is. But when you get into the realm of good design, high quality design, um, there it could be subjective because there are many, many different ways. You know, like uh, Robert Pizik said in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, there's many ways to get to the top of that mountain. So if, you, if your pass right, your strategy is right, and your team is on it and you have a high quality team, then there are many ways to get to the top. So, of course, there can be uh, numerous ways to approach something. But fundamentally, yes, there's good or bad, and that's all the way. That's all there is to it. But um, with that, there's so many possibilities. So there, I would argue, yeah, there's many different ways that great design can manifest itself. Yeah, Andrea, Michael? you, yeah, you, you ask a really interesting question on subjectivity, and you know, maybe uh, the answer that moves into subjectivity is really about what makes great design. Um, and I think. Um, that's a very deep question and it's it's not a you can't deliver that with a one-line quip uh, that you can look up on the internet which there are many of but I think it really demands a more rounded answer um, I think uh, first off and I think functionally speaking design is built for human beings and David and I both fundamentally believe in that um, you're building brands to connect to people uh, of all different levels. Uh, design's there to create a perception, and that is to mirror the reality of where the brand, uh, where the brand is, what it has to offer, and what it's supposed to be deliver. Um, we always, you know, uh, think about design as uh, perception that drives behavior, and that in turn drives performance. So I think that. You know that's that's our behavior for how we how we design, but we're here to really you know brand design is functionally it's supposed to leave a lasting impression uh, that people connect to and they believe in and they trust over time and that's a you know that's a big bucket but I think uh, and and I, I think it's important that David and I take the time to to go through what makes great design but. Um, I, I, I think you need time to think. Thinking is incredibly important in design. You need time to create and iterate, and iteration allows designers to see possibilities and make connections and make refinements so that the performance of the design aligns with the brand strategy. Those two things, you know, are perfectly aligned. It also, uh, you know, Dave and I both believe in culture and, and uh, providing a culture that's really powerful and strong to allow people to create. And I think it's made by incredibly passionate people. Um, those people are collaborative and cooperative and they're transformative and they're made by both individuals and teams of people that have this kind of never ending thirst uh, to create something entirely unique and provocative. I think that's what you have to do to create great design. Uh, and you have to have a really agile mind. You have, to, you have to be a graphic designer and an architect and a structural engineer. And you have to have a tremendous analytical mind that crosses over many different disciplines so that you uh, really have a good grasp of how to communicate the psychology of how to communicate, shapes, forms, color. So there's many different things going on. And, and I think, finally, you have to have 
a great client. You have to have a patron that, you know, they become your champion and they trust your guidance. Um, uh, it's a highly, highly collaborative process. And our discipline is highly collaborative as well. And it's it's unlikely that you can accomplish breakthrough design without uh, the trust and collaboration of a client who is committed to the effort and to accomplishing great things. Uh, I think that's the process that we believe in. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I totally agree, Michael. I would actually pick up on what you were just saying. And when you talk about fundamentally what makes great, great design, like if you think of a design as a process, um, knowledge is what makes great design. I mean, you can't build, when we talk about making connections and we talk about, you know, when you think of, like, I always like to talk about when we're hired for branding, we want to help a company. If you take all of the things that makes this company, their history, the people, their goals, their expertise, their knowledge, their technology, you take all of these things. And if you assemble them properly and you thoroughly understand them, you can develop something that's so unique, tangible and unique and ownable for this organization, where not only does it help them reach their goals, but it helps express who they are, who the people are, how they get there. You know, I explain to clients sometimes, I use the Ramones as an example, and I talk about how the Ramones really just wanted to play 50s rock and roll, but because of who they are, where they grew up, their musical abilities, everything, they ended up creating a whole new genre of music. But all they were really trying to do is play 50s rock and roll. And when I talk to clients who say, oh, we're in a given market, and our competition is similar to us, we're worried about these issues here, that. I always use that example and I say, well, because of who you are, because of your history, because of your goals, because of all of these things, we know we're going to end up in a unique place. What we really need to do is fully understand all of these and understand the dynamics in your marketplace, all of these things. When you add all of that up and we build a strategy properly and then we start to connect all those things, we're going to end up in a really unique, powerful place that will resonate. But you've got to believe in that process. Like Michael said, you've got to work through that process and you've got to, you've got to have the right information. The more transparency, the more flat an organization is, the more they share with us, the more we know. Knowledge is power and we connect all of those things and we use all of those things. Designers don't forget anything. Mm -hmm. Or in fact, we, we learn it all, we probably forget 90% of it, we, but we hold on to what we know is most important and the true things that we can build upon. And then we take those and we create something that's truly unique to that organization or that brand. And that's you know, what makes great design to me. Yeah, uh, so I have, a, I have a personal question now. Um, you know, both of you have been uh, uh, around for some time, have had amazing work, amazing clients, amazing successes. If you look back to when you started and you compare to today, is the power of design better understood today or is becoming commoditized? Sometimes I have the impression that, you know, particularly when I work with clients, that the people expect things very much more quickly than let's say 20 years ago when i more than 20 years ago when i started um the value of design also seems to be diminished sometimes i compare the what on the corporate side i used to be on the corporate side what i used to pay an agency to do a logo let's say for example to what today agencies get paid for the same logo um there is a substantial difference in negative and so I, I wonder, do you see design as valued or more valued or less valued? Is it design misunderstood? Um, what, what's missing? Or have I um, mischaracterized what I observe? Well, it, that's a great question, Andrea. I, I think, uh, you know, the only way that design is, is misunderstood is if there's not a conversation there. So you know, developing very rich conversations, uh, you know, with our clients and our teams and um, really, you know, 
our clients are going to be the stewards of their brand. And it's vital that they uh, that we work and we collaborate and we cooperate. But mo what's most important is, you know, the educational process along the way. And I think once you have that happen, uh, you know, really magical things happen in design. I think the world at large um, is, um, you know, you have incredible imagery coming at you all the time. You have incredible design coming at you all the time. Um, and it's hard to distinguish sometimes what's great design and what's bad design. But I do think that, you know, what we were, if I can track back to a question you ask about subjectivity, design is vital, um, especially when it's not subjective, but when it aligns to strategy and it, it aligns to that, that long-term vision of what the brand's going to be. Um, I, I think that's where it's most valued. Yeah, I would, you know, I, I agree with everything Michael just said. And when we, th when you, when you frame it by saying is design's relevance today, you know, that really frames it for me because it's a funny thing, because if you look back to a lot of the heroes that Michael and I both share, like people like Raymond Lowy, Paul Rand, these were guys who would create not only a logo, they would create a whole physical experience. Like we're talking guys who would create a brand for Westinghouse and then design the New York, New York World's Fair in Flushing Meadows. These were the same guys that did this. So they really touched it everything. But I don't know if it was fully appreciated by regular business people or lay people at all, but that's the way it was. Then everything got much, much more complicated, way more people, uh, you know, uh, bought into it. I could, I would probably argue to agree, commoditize, you know, you use the design to create a logo, you use the design to create a website, you use the design to create a phone, whatever it might be. But the idea that these are all, these all flow together and they're built from a core idea. When you think about how Paul Rand built IBM and everything that's manifested itself into, and it's still used today, they still use the positioning think different today for everything they do or not think different think um, excuse me today so you look at that that's how it used to be done and then that got lost a little bit or it's always been there by certain key practitioners but then you take that you look at the hist historical side of it now you look back at today i think it's more necessary today than ever when you think about the speed of change technology um, empowerment to your audience and it's constantly changing and changing there are very few people who can understand all these deep things like a designer can and know how to scale it design can be scaled designers know how to scale ideas and concepts more than anybody because that's what we're trained to do so when I think about everything going on today and that speed of change and how does a client communicate across all these touch points but make sure that everything they're saying is exactly on brand and exactly what they wish to communicate in every single experience from from a logo you see to an interactive experience to a physical physical experience, even to the way people speak, all of these things. And it's constantly changing. How do you keep up with that? Unless you have a team and particularly design involved where people can really understand and so know how to adapt it, know how to grow these core ideas into just about anything. And so for me today, with all of these changes that are happening, it's more important than ever to really help manage that. Yeah, Dave, I, I, I you know, would really champion what you're saying there. I, I think it's uh, design is an imperative and anymore, I mean, people, people know what great design is, visual design, right? They know what great design is. They know what bad design is. They can separate. Uh, our world is so accustomed to seeing beautiful design and bad design. We're, we have very highly tuned senses now. Um, aesthetic design is one thing, though. And 
The by design proposition is another, and it's really, brand designers are really by design. It's about the assembly, so much more of aesthetics. It's, it's really all of those different components that have to connect and have to be applied to different mediums. And they have to carry the instantaneous conversation to the consumer, and they have to carry the long-term conversation to the consumer at the same time. So um, it's really a, a, a cumulative um, discipline of building a brand with so many parts. Uh, that's why that relationship to music earlier uh, is that you can have extreme complexity, but be able to put it together and synthesize it so that you have really a rich, dramatic, and unique experience uh, that you remember. And and so I think uh, to David's point, it, design is more important than ever. Uh, the ability to distinguish, the ability to relate, the ability to gain the right perceptions, and be able to do that across um, mediums that are changing every single day. Um, you know, there are so many different touch points that a brand connects with. So design is more important today. I would say if you don't have design in your brand, uh, it's a non-starter. So, uh, you know, there, the, the competition out there in the world for design and for people that believe in the value of design uh, is incredible, more incredible than ever. Um, so, you know, and design is better than it's ever been today. So the, the ability to distinguish a brand through design and by design uh, is an imperative. You know, Michael, I'm thinking about it. I'm just picking up on what you're saying about aesthetics. And sadly, you know, that's how a lot of people view design, which is really viewing design as a commodity. But, you know, because we say to clients all the time, well, and sometimes they're taken back when we say, oh, well, making it look good is easy. I'm not worried about that. I know it's going to look great. What we're worried about is we want to make sure that what we're, the solution we put forward is right and it's going to help you reach your goals. And that's the challenge. I mean, when you create a design that not only reveals itself immediately, but then is so strategically right that over time it starts to reveal itself. It can also grow with the organization. That's great design. Making yeah. it look great. Yeah, of course, we're going to do that. <laughs> you know, we yeah. won't put anything out there that doesn't look great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I suddenly uh, <clears throat> understand that. Um, so the question then is, um, is the following, and this is a bit of a provocative question um, to both of you. So we live in the age of data, big data, small data, data everywhere, analytics. Uh, and as a strategist, I feel that um, while, as you know, both of you, I love data and, and how data can guide you uh, to a direction that gives you the confidence uh, and conviction in, in the ideas that you're presenting um, when uh, a positioning strategy is developed. And then, on the other hand yet, I feel that data is constraining intuition, is constraining emotions, is constraining possibilities that maybe 20, 30 years ago uh, were much more, uh, people were much more eager to embrace. And maybe that's why you went to the designers because he had this kind of secret sauce, you know, this, this magic power. And so I wonder sometimes, is this incredibly data-centric world 
uh, hampering uh, intuition that drives design is um, creating a formulaic world where uh, you know based on insights everything is um, is uh, maybe has to look in a certain way. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. You can go to a lot of software company websites today, and practically every single website for, for follows a formulaic structure on the homepage or secondary level pages because by design. Um, that is what the data says that is the best way of creating an experience that makes people understand what you do. On the other hand, though, the result is uh, lots of websites look alike. So it's a bit of a provocative question because I know that both of you love data, but you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, well, it's, it's a funny uh, data. You know, we love information, as you know that. I mean, the more we know, the better we are. And the worst thing is when you go and do a... Uh, presentation and then somebody shares information with you that nobody shared up to that moment and you're standing there like okay well that just that makes half of what i'm going to show you today off target because they're every single single bit of information you have helps you understand where to go and what to build so uh, i would separate two things there you've got data and then you've got information they're very different things you've got to take the data and do something with it but even having said that so then you get all this information but it truly is what you do with it it doesn't it's not a means to an end but it certainly gives us the ability when we under, understanding helps us know exactly what to do and where to take them so the more information we have it's fantastic i mean even the fact even now like i used to hate focus groups like the idea we would take stuff we do and go out there and do a focus group the idea was an anathema to me it'd make me cringe <laughs> but then we started doing them and then every time we do one everybody's like wow I think you could go further. I don't think you're pushing it enough. And we're like, wow, really? So they would pick our most outrageous idea. And then they'd think, and then they'd say, I think you need to go further. So being able to tap into knowledge, looking to a broader audience, helping move our clients along is a huge thing because uh, the biggest issue we always face is fear of change. And data can help you overcome fear of change. So I guess listening to everything I'm saying, that's probably the, the biggest change I feel in our careers that has happened is we can actually go beyond our client's world. Like we can start and say, well, we can say to them, well, I know you guys are saying this, but when we go beyond that, we go to your audience and these outside worlds, they're in a totally different place. And we can educate them about that. And we can start to, to get them, help them see a broader perspective and understand their brand in the bigger context. So that's an incredible thing that's yeah. really come out of the, the last decade. No, and I certainly appreciate that. Michael, what's your take on my, uh, on my question? Well, I completely agree with David. I mean, I, I think fundamentally that's the biggest change in design uh, over the last 10 to 15 years um, and I'm in the same position as Dave I mean you used to you, know, you used to look at data and go oh my god here come the, the focus groups and you know here we go but you know it, it, simply put I mean data is there uh, to provide clarity and not rigidity and I think if you're a great designer you use it for clarity you you know, uh, if you're a designer that checks the box and does this, you're you're not a designer that really designs with the passion and from the heart to capture an emotional experience that's going to connect, that's going to leave a lasting perception. Um, it, that's how you create a distinct brand. So that information goes into the designer's head. You feel it in the heart. It comes back out. Uh, and you align that in terms of the quality you know how you're how you're trying to convey the quality of the yeah. brand what is that emotional experience uh you you emotions and perceptions you you can't do a check the box to those 
it's a feeling that you get. Um, and that's what I think data does, especially, you know, coming out of brand strategy and brand positioning, you, you gain a lot of information through, through data yeah. and it helps you to th- sort through the ideas and it helps you to differentiate brands and, and how to prepare those to go to market. Yeah. And, and that information that is gained through data informs brand strategy and it turns right back around and it informs design. And it makes for a compelling brand. Without it, you're kind of searching in the dark, like we used to do. We used to guess and we used to give it our best, as you would say, your best gut intention, right? Based yeah, on the creative leaps hurt sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, you know, you, you, you jump hurdles and you take creative leaps and, uh, you know, sometimes it's a hope and a prayer, but you do that based on experience and intuition. Now you've got data, which really helps give you a very good direction. It gives you a very good road. Now, how you go down that road and what you want to do with it and what you want to drive and how what that experience is, that's up to the designer. But uh, you really are able to cut through the clutter with data. I'm a big, big fan of data. I know Dave is too. So again, uh, clarity versus rigidity, don't you know? you. Uh, it, you just you can't allow data to, to freeze you up. You have to use it for uh, for what it is, and it helps inform you. And uh, you know, you, you, David and I would both say design is an emotional experience. Uh, it is all about passion and heart and understanding. It's it's head, it's heart, it's the mind, uh, and it's making all those connections. That at the end of the day. That's how a brand is delivered. Michael, it's so Andre's laughing here because I was, you said something a few moments ago where you mentioned heart and then he saw me right on my computer, heart and passion. So I didn't forget to bring it back up because I wanted to really highlight that point you made. It is so important. You know, people say to us now, oh, are we worried about the threat of AI or the threat of data being able to come up with these solutions? But, you know, the, the thing is, you can't forget the human factor here. You can't forget about the idea of heart and passion commitment, all of these things that come out of it, that are real human human attributes. And, you know, you, a machine, you can type in all the data you want, and a machine can spit something out. But it's not going to, it's going to be lacking those factors. And those are the factors that can really drive it. You know, it, that's what forces us to push ourselves. You know, I always say sometimes great design moments are almost like an Olympic moment, where, and what I'm talking about, when somebody's at the Olympics, you'll see them do things far beyond their abilities and, and reach a new a new standard that becomes their base. And that happens in design. As we push ourselves and as we grow things, that passion, that heart, all of it comes into it. And we go and we push ourselves to new heights every time we do it. And a machine's not going to do that. The data, all of things, you could spit something out. It'll add it all up, pull it together, and give you an example of what it could be. But that human element, that idea of a team who works together and drives all these things and puts their heart and soul into it, then truly amazing things happen. And you throw that in with all of our experience and then the diverse talents of our teams. And all of this, man... Yeah, no, it's true, and uh, and I, I agree. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder, um, uh, maybe because there is so much, uh, uh, so much noise around, it's difficult sometimes to discern great design, which then leads me to the question: uh, What stands in a way? Um, you know, both of you had to design programs for large, large Fortune 100 companies. 
had to implement it across a variety of channels, not just uh, advertising, environmental, but these days it's social media and, uh, you know, customer mobile interfaces and all kinds of, uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, interactions that had to be designed, understood, rethought, evaluated, uh, reshaped. Um, what stands in a way a great design? You know, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, practical challenges that when when you have to present, uh, um, you know, your thinking, what, what what are the obstacles that sometimes you face uh, uh, along the process? Um, you know, um, uh, whether it's around the decision, whether it's around the people, whether it's around the taste, you know, again, going back to objectivity and subjectivity. Uh, can you elaborate, you know? What's your take? You want to go first, Mike, or? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot, Dave. Uh, although I, I think this yeah, is... It's not a setup, Michael. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This is, this is a good conversation here. I, I think, you know, Andrea, uh, what stands in the way of great design? Um, boy, I, I would say what stands in the way of great design is if you don't have a great patron. Um, I think, you know, uh, our, our clients are phenomenal in their ability to engage and, um, and, you know, be there with us through the process. And you have to have a great patron. Uh, I can't remember whether it was Frank Lloyd Wright that said this, but, you know, without a great patron, uh, you can't do great work. And, um... I know I've got the name wrong, but it's got to be some great architect, uh, designer, uh, industrial designer, painter, whoever that is out there that said that, because that is so vital uh, to being able to create. If you don't have that, you have nothing to create for, and the heart and emotion and the appeal to, uh, you know, most of design uh, of creating design is based on momentum and momentum comes from the heart. It just pours out. Uh, it's so incredible when that happens. It's, it's magical. And uh, that's always done collaboratively. It's always done collaboratively. So that I think uh, is, if you don't have that, great design is hard to achieve because when we talk about brand design, we're not talking about creating a logo. And we're not creating talking about, you know, creating an environment or something like that. It's it's about creating all of it. So it's very long term. You know, it could be six months, it could be a year, but it's a lo it's a long duration. And uh, you have to have that partnership with uh, with your client. And it's, you know, it's a long road to travel. But uh, that, I think that's where the the best design happens um you know i i i think that's that's my feeling in terms of that would be the one single element dave you um what, what's your thoughts well i'll tell you michael i mean obviously first i you know agree with everything you just said and you know i'm not sure who was who said the quote that you're referring to but i do i did go to paul rand's last lecture at cooper union and he absolutely said that 
you know, everybody was talking about all the great work he did. And he said, well, you need great clients to do great work. And everybody's like, oh, come on, it can't just be that. And he's like, well, what do you want me to say? You ask me, I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, David, you know, so, and, then, so then I can attribute it to Paul Rand, right? Yeah, well, we know okay. he backed you okay. up, that's for sure. Got it. And, and, <laughs> I was going to do Antonio Gaudi, and then I was going to do Vivaldi. Said, Oh, my God. Well, that's yeah. the guy. How many times did he rebuild that church? <laughs> Still <laughs> building it. All yeah, right. Done. They're finally All finishing it. Done. Yeah. Um, but um, another issue that I see constantly is fear of change. You know, a big and this is human nature. It's not just a corporate issue. It's human nature. Um, and a big what we do is we're change agents. We are asked to come in and completely rethink an organization. And the first thing people do as you start to put these ideas forward is everybody keeps building roadblocks as to why this can't happen. And so we have to sit there and keep removing the roadblocks and you have to do it. So we have to sit there one by one and say, okay, well, talk to me about that. Well, why couldn't you do it? So let's say we remove that roadblock. Then what would you do? And they're like, well, well nobody ever said that to me before. I'm like, we're saying it right now. Say we remove that problem. Now what would you do? And then they say, well, if I could do that, then I would do this. We say, okay, let's talk about doing that. And then we keep going down that road and we get there. But you really have to sit there and do that. And it's not it's not a corporate issue. It is human nature. And I because I I'd counter this not only in work, but even in my personal life at times when we try to do things, you know, people are afraid of change. And when you get in as deeply as we do building brands and the type of change we bring about, because we're usually brought in to do something quite large, you know, uh, it could be small or large, but the impact is great. And. That fear just always sets in. And it's, to me, the biggest issue we have to deal with. In fact, it's as we keep going deeper and deeper, I find it's one of the number one things that we always have to overcome. And build, and then when you do it, you build trust, and then things start really jamming. You know, Because yeah. then when everybody understands the power of it, and you talk about the power of design, people really start to understand it then. And they realize this is way bigger than that color you gave me, that logo you gave me, you know, that brochure, whatever it might be. They start to see that, and they're like, well, okay, this is powerful stuff. And in its entirety, that's everything we have to do to bring these solutions to life. Yeah, I I'm, I, I completely agree. And in, and in fact, I would add a dimension to this. Um, I, I have several thoughts, but I often lament lack of courage and leadership, you know, uh, particularly for what you said, design is always about dealing with change that you're bringing because suddenly your things look differently, the message is different, the strategy is different, the position is different, so change management is a big component. But I am noticing uh, uh, more and more a lack of leadership and courage. I think uh, my own view anyway is I sometimes I wonder if all this incredible reliance of data is making people more careful um, and, uh, and therefore less trusting uh, of when a direction that is being presented is uh, is quite um, you know uplifting or quite impactful from a design perspective is radically different than anything else around, which is sometimes an interesting oxymoron, right? Or because you we're brought in as strategists and as designers to create something that differentiates, but then when you do so, uh, sometimes the the differentiation is too too much, and then people like to go back to what's familiar to them, and I find that contrast always. Uh, Always a, a very, very interesting. Um, and anything else, Michael? Any other? What, what stands in the way of great design? Uh, for example, can you turn a, a, a bad strategy into something phenomenal through design? Oh, we do it every day. Well, yeah, I, I, and I think you know, I think the short answer is that you can you can make anything highly aesthetic, right? You can make anything look 
pretty, beautiful. Um, it, 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 the problem is, is that you're putting the proverbial icing on the cake, and the cake is hollow inside. It's got a bad strategy, right? The engine inside is not, is not, uh, it's not there. It's not powerful. Uh, it's subpar, and eventually it's going to erode. It's going to cave in. So I, yeah, you can you can do great design work that that looks like it functions. But the problem is, is if if the brand is not functioning, uh, and it's not built for time, uh, and it's not built for endurance, it's going to fall apart. Uh, and you know, again, we're not talking about building a poster. We're not talking about, you know, uh, building an, a single environment. We're we're talking about building all of it, right? Every mm -hmm. single component, that giant component. And design is not going to mask uh, bad strategy. Uh, it's not going to mask a bad en endeavor because the engine's not built. It, it's foundationally not equipped to withstand the structure on top of it. So we, you know, you 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 have to think of it as uh, as really when we talk about again design, brand design specifically, we talk about a totality. We talk about all those things that Dave and I have been talking about, all of it. And that's what makes des brand design so complicated. Uh, and uh, But at the end of, you know, when, when we're finished uh, with a great brand, you have a brand that's truly powerful. Uh, and, uh, you know, what Dave is spot on in terms of when he talks about you know, what stands in the way of great design. Um, and y you have to look at it as it, it takes a lot of, uh, I can't think of another word, but it takes a lot of guts, right? You said courage, Andrea, to build a great brand. If you don't have that courage, you, you can't build a great brand. Uh, you can't build a brand that's dis completely distinct. You can build a brand that looks like other brands, but you can't truly build a breakthrough brand, and uh, really, that's always our task. Our task is always to create that incredible perception and exuberance uh, of a brand that can really stand out from the crowd, uh, yes. and and do it for the long term, the long haul, not a week, not six months, not a year, but continually. Yeah, Michael, you really hit on something nice when you talked about it being hollow. You know, and aesthetics can be deceiving, right? Something can look really fantastic, but then, you know, it could have no substance behind it, nothing you can really build upon, and nothing certainly that could really fulfill the, the needs and, and the potential of, a, of a, a given company or brand. And, you know, when I think about that, too, there's a lot of issues that come out of that. The worst is, you know, if, if we'll work on a strategy for six months, and then it's like, okay, and we want a logo in two weeks. It's like, what, really? You spent all this time on this, and you, the whole future of your organization is based on this, and you want us to spit it out in two weeks and have no time to think about it, no time to really grow it, no time to put thought into it, no time to give it to build something that we know is going to work long term? You know, and that's that's critical. You know, we're always kind of leery of shiny objects. You know, you see something really quick, you're like, well, that looks beautiful, but it's not going to look beautiful in six months, and it's going to get... It's going to get weaker and weaker as it goes. You really need the time to think it through and really build something with depth and strength. 
And, and we test it. You know, when we have the time, we test this thing inside out to make sure all of our solutions are going to work. You know, as we were saying before, we step outside of ourselves and test ourselves, test our thinking, all of this again and again throughout the process. So when we can do that properly, you can guarantee it not only is it going to work today, it's going to work long into the future. And that's everything. You know, we see stuff all the time. I was so proud. You sent out an email last week, Andre, with an example of a brand that had just launched. And one of our designers right away listed what was wrong with it, why it wasn't going to work in six months, all these issues. I went straight up and hugged her. And I said, I can't. Everything you just said is exactly right. Yes, you're learning all of this. And our whole team thinks like that because we know it. We're very leery of it. We've done it. We've created things where, you know, we start to realize the weaknesses as, as time moves on. And we take all that knowledge and all that rigor into everything we do. Uh, but it, it's so critical. And uh, I, I agree. And as you know, both of you know, I'm, I'm from a city that is uh, Rome in Italy. I'm constantly surrounded by and reminded of the importance of design, uh, whether it's buildings or paintings, um, I'm constantly surrounded by uh, uh, all of that and the manifestation of, uh, of a human intention, as William McDonough, one of my favorite architects and designers said, what's striking about what surrounds me, and I always marvel every time I'm back, some of these buildings have been around for 2000 years by design. The Colosseum is still there by design. St. Peter's, unless something dramatic happens, an earthquake, uh, you know, it will be there for another 1,500 years by design because Michelangelo projected it that way, I designed it that way. On CBS Sunday morning, they did a piece on Florence, and they were showing a loom that, Mike, that Leonardo da Vinci designed they still use today. It still works, and they make, of course, they're the most, fab, most expensive textiles in the world. But the fact that Da Vinci designed this loom, and these people are using they have five of them, and they use right. them all every day. You talk about, you know, it, we, the impact we, of design. The impact, but also then what makes design great, right? So structure, uh, vision, originality, innovation, but also standing the test of time. You know, there, there are some inherent qualities that great design has. You were mentioning earlier IBM, you were mentioning GE. I know that we often talked about Paul Rand, some of these designers. Um, they, 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 I think they shared common characteristics, uh, including a, a, a great patron. You know, um, all the incredible beauty that Rome is uh, completely filled by wouldn't have been there without patrons that had the patience to withstand the neurotic nature of artists like Michelangelo and many others without going through the list. Just well, to mention a few. You guys had a few deep thinkers back then. Too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and there were, there were, of course, of other all kinds of other issues. But um, but uh, anyway, it, 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 this is uh, really, really fascinating. Um, you know, Andrea, I, I was going to say, you know, one of it's a very simple way to think about brand design, uh, which you've been conveying metaphorically, and and that's when you look at those buildings that have stood the test of time. It's you know I mean it's uh, it's it's right structure, and it's design, and it's patrons, and uh, those are really things that that make for very enduring brands. And I, 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 I think this has been a great conversation about, you know, uh, what brand design is because brand design is all of it.
Uh, it is incredibly demanding. Uh, it is not a one-off thing, and uh, it is built to stand the test of time. Uh, we, we, we don't, David and I do not build brands that are fleeting. We don't build brands that, you know, are three-month brands or six-month brands. We just, we're not in that business. And uh, it, it's, it's so highly complicated, and that's where that, that whole, you know, uh, structure and the, the design, the perceptive skin, uh, the aesthetics and what comes through are incredibly important, but but nothing is greater than structure, because it's the foundational support for all. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's real important. Yeah. So it's been a good conversation because we're, we're really we've looked holistically at how brands are built, um, and you know we know that that they're not they're not built in one day. Yeah, definitely not in one day. Um, and as you know, I say that a lot. Rome was not built in one day uh, when we have meetings. And you're the one uh, person that can say it. And I'm the one person <laughs> who can say that. <laughs> so in the end, uh, in the end, you know, um, uh, design is great because it makes uh, strategy visible. It makes complexity simple. It makes ideas and complex uh, uh, things easily easy to understand, memorable if it, things are done well, no matter what the interaction is, no matter what the touch point is. And interestingly enough, design, uh, the quality of the design and the consistency of the language, whether it's visual or not, uh, of the experience that it enables, that it delivers, uh, it's also an indicator of quality and consistency of the company. That's why design is key, particularly in this day and age. And it's something that I will never stop saying to CEOs and executives who are indeed sometimes not just CEOs, just in general executives, always confronted with uh, the unfortunate circumstances of timelines and investors' expectations and so on. Um, but if design is to be a manifestation of human intention, uh, great design, it's a manifestation of great human intention and therefore of quality. So uh, I've always been a, a big proponent, as both of you know. So uh, thank you. This concludes uh, uh, what I hope is uh, uh, it's a great conversation, interesting, a lot of phenomenal insights um, throughout. And I wanted to thank you, David. And, oh, thanks for having me, Andre. And, and Michael uh, for the, the time together. And, you, on, and on to building uh, then the next Rome. <laughs> <laughs> not in a day. <laughs> and not in a day. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.